Welcome to Truth Trek, where we dive deep into the Bible to uncover the treasures there. I'm Pastor Jason Hovde, and I will be your guide as we journey together into Scripture, God's Holy Word. In this episode, we'll be taking a look at Ecclesiastes 7, 21 and 22, which says, Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. So our main topic is going to be this. How do we have peace when others speak evil of us? In segment one, we're going to discuss how do we not Take to heart all the things that people say. In segment two, we're going to realize that we have all said things about others that we should not have said. And in segment three, we're going to take a look at the example of King David and how our trust in God can help us to rest secure no matter what others are saying about us. For segment one, um, we're going to talk about how do we not take to heart all the things that people say. In politics, they're always polling for the approval ratings of top politicians. I think it's safe to say that for politicians, there is an extent to which what they say and do is not simply based on their personal convictions on the issues, but how they will be perceived by the voters as well. This is not only limited to politicians, though. This is a great temptation for us all. Why is it that we have such a strong desire to know what others are thinking and saying about us? Well, there could be a few motivating factors involved. I think it is safe to say that all of us have some level of desire to hear ourselves praised by others. So in desiring to know what others are saying about us, it could be that we are hoping to hear them say good things about us. Who doesn't like to overhear someone speaking well of them? And how much better is it when they publicly give the same praise? On the flip side, we tend to want to know what problems people have with us. This side of it may be even worse than looking for the positive, because a need to know what people are saying about us negatively will never lead us down a good path. If we eavesdrop on someone because we think they are talking about us, for example, what good could possibly come from this? If you listen in on someone who thinks poorly of you, this will most certainly have an effect on your relationship with them. You may be more guarded around them. You may resent them. You may decide that you can't handle them being unhappy with you, so you go out of your way to give them preferred treatment, or in some other way you may debase yourself just to earn their approval. I could go on, but there are so many implications to consider. Philip Graham Ryken writes, This is the kind of wise biblical counsel that ought to be better known and more frequently followed. It is excellent advice, says Derek Kidner, since to take 
too seriously what people say of us is asking to get hurt. And in any case, we have all said some wounding things in our time. Even if we do not have servants to curse us, sooner or later we are bound to overhear somebody saying something about us that may be unkind or untrue. Usually our first reaction is to get angry. What we ought to do instead is let it go, realizing that it was never intended for us to hear anyway and may well have been spoken in a moment of weakness or misjudgment. It is foolish for us to eavesdrop. If all men knew what each other said of the other, Pascal darkly observed, there would not be four friends in the world. If we are wise, we will be careful not to take too much interest in what other people say about us. Listeners, standing upon the tiptoe of suspicion, seldom hear good of themselves. This is a lesson that Lucy learned when she looked inside the magician's book, a story told in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader by C.S. Lewis. As she was leafing through a book of magical incantations, Lucy saw a spell that would enable her to hear what her friends were saying about her. Her curiosity got the best of her, and foolishly she cast the spell. Soon she could overhear Marjorie Preston telling Anne Featherstone that although Lucy was not a bad little kid in her way, she was getting pretty tired of her before the end of the term. It would have been wiser for Lucy to leave well enough alone rather than to ruin a reasonably good friendship. The same thing will happen to us if we insist on knowing what people are saying about us. Know what to hear and what to ignore, especially when it comes to criticism. This is one of the ways that wisdom makes us strong. It helps us to not be overly concerned about what other people say. It teaches us not to take offense, but to respond with gentleness and grace, even when the things that people say may seem unfair. One wise man responded to criticism by saying, He didn't insult me at all. In fact, he was talking about another man, the man he thought I was. So how do we not take to heart the things people say about us? Well, first off, we should avoid eavesdropping or making efforts to find out what people are saying about us. This is a matter of self-discipline. Are you able to keep walking down the hall when you overhear a conversation involving you? Overhearing a conversation is not the only way we sometimes find out what people are saying about us. Sometimes people will come right to us and tell us that people are saying. Now, this can be a very tricky position to find yourself in. How do you handle this can impact your relationship not only with the person who is supposedly saying things about you, but with the one who is coming to tell you that as well. When someone comes to you and tells you people are saying things about you, usually this is in the negative you need to stop them before they have said too much. There are a couple reasons why you must do this. One reason is that this is simply not godly communication. If someone truly has an issue with you that they want resolved, then they should come directly to you. If they were simply venting to a friend, and then their friend has no business going to you to inform you about the complaint their duty to both the complainer and the one being complained about 
is to tell that person that they need to resolve their issue with the other person directly. If you are in Christ, you have this duty as well. When someone comes to you to complain about another person, this can be a great opportunity to guide them to a better way. Stop them and tell them you're not going to hear their complaint. They need to go to the person they have the issue with. I would tell you as well, be very wary of people who try to act as the messenger in these cases. They are likely to be a person stirring up division, either knowingly or unknowingly. They will often drop that bomb on you that people are saying this about you. However, they will often refuse to tell you who is saying these things. They will say, I don't want to get involved, which is very disingenuous because they have already inserted themselves into the conversation. So again, I urge you, be very careful in how you respond to the person who takes it upon themselves to deliver to you the complaints anonymous people are giving. Tell them you do not accept anonymous complaints and that the person who has the issue with you needs to speak with you personally. Otherwise, you will be ignoring this complaint. Often the person telling you about it is actually the one with the complaint but does not have the guts to tell you face-to-face. So they bring it to you as an anonymous complaint. So to wrap up this first segment, I want you to think about these two strategies so that you can begin to free yourself of the worry of what others are saying about you. First, avoid eavesdropping or trying to figure out what people are saying about you. Second, do not receive complaints or criticisms that are not directly from the person who supposedly has an issue with you. And if you have ever been that person that likes to go and tell others what people are saying about them, you're not doing what is right. And you are causing damage to your own relationship and the relationship of others. Perhaps it is time to repent of that behavior. In this segment, we're going to look at how we have all said things about others that we should not have said. Going back again to Ecclesiastes 7.22, says, Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. Here is another important concept from our biblical text. You yourself have cursed others. None of us have to think very hard to come up with examples of this. We may not like the word cursed, because we may not literally curse them, but do we not often complain about someone who has negatively impacted our day? Someone who is rude, someone who dared to disagree with us, someone who got in our way, someone who got what we wanted, someone who hurt our feelings, so we lashed out and degraded them in our conversation with others. It is good for us to remember this. We who have sinned and have been forgiven ought to be quick to forgive others. Not one among us has at some point not failed in our speech and proper decorum in speaking of others in an unfair way. So when those times come where we are unfairly spoken of, we should remind ourselves that we too have said many things in conversation that we would not want the subject of our conversation to hear. And this is the wisdom of the preacher in Ecclesiastes. The cure for pride is always humility, 
And when we are tempted to act pridefully in response to someone's criticism, whether fair or unfair, is to humble ourselves by reminding ourselves of our own many failures. This is true in so many areas, but certainly it is true in regards to this topic. It is easy for me to think of the many times in life where someone was unfair in talking about me, sometimes to my face, sometimes behind my back. But if I were even able to catalog the many times I have done the same, I have no doubt that many books could be filled with the things that I have said about people unfairly. Times I have judged without all the facts. Times I have mocked others who I thought were ignorant. Times when I said something hurtful just to gain power over someone. If I could even begin to list these sins of my own, I would be buried in them, except that Christ has granted me repentance and forgiveness. Since he grants this forgiveness to me, how petty would I be not to forgive others? In the final segment, we are going to consider King David as a great example to us as someone who did not take to heart all the things that were said and even things that were done that were very evil against him. Let me end this segment, though, with the reminder of Jesus who is our penultimate example on the cross, having been mistreated in ways we cannot begin to feel, Jesus interceded for his abusers, asking the Father to forgive them. We have a hard time letting go of the offense against us. We have an even harder time forgiving it. But we must go beyond letting go and even beyond just forgiving We must, like Jesus, intercede for those who wound us, turning them over to our Heavenly Father, who has it in His power to avenge or to forgive. In our final segment, we're going to look at the example of David and how our trust in God can help us to rest secure no matter what others are saying about us. So I want to talk about what a a great book that was recommended to me early in my ministry. When I was dealing with some pretty heavy issues in the church, and in dealing with those issues, there were many unfair and untrue things said about me. We were in a small town, and I remember very clearly the time that the clerk at the grocery store, as he was putting my groceries in the car, said to me, you know, I don't think you're bad like people say you are. Do I need to tell you that this was not a confidence booster? A dear mentor of mine who helped me walk through that difficult time recommended that I read a book called A Tale of Three Kings, A Study in Brokenness by Gene Edwards. In this book, Edwards reviews several instances in the life of King David, from the early days when King Saul was determined to kill David to when David's own son, Absalom, organized a coup and David was running uh, for his life. In the case of David, he had many enemies. 
Saul and Absalom, though, are among those that must have caused the most emotional pain to David. After all, David was very close to both of these men. Saul said many evil and unfair things of David, and even tried to kill him on many occasions. However, David did not retaliate. When Saul threw his spear at David, David simply ducked and got out of there. On two occasions, when David could have killed Saul, he resisted the temptation and demonstrated his own innocence, proving he was loyal to Saul, even when Saul was acting very wickedly. When David's son organized a coup, likewise David fled and did not take vengeance himself. And even when a man named Shimei insulted him, and one of David's men wanted to take his head off, David again left it alone. Why? Because David trusted in the sovereignty of God. Throughout the Psalms, we can see this. David took his complaints about people to God and ultimately rested in God's sovereignty. He trusted that God would act to defend David in his timing. And David also realized what we were talking about, that He's no innocent person either. He may very well have deserved the cursing he received. Let's take a look at what happened as David was fleeing the city. From 2 Samuel 16, starting at verse 5. It says, When King David came to Bahurim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, and as he came, he cursed continually. And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. Then Abishai, the son of Zerai, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take his head off. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zerai? If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjaminite leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me, and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. So David and his men went on the road, while Shimei went along on the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him, and flung dust. We see here an amazing response from David. Leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me, and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. Friends, let us strive to come to a place of faith like that of David. He trusted that God would give justice and he recognized his own imperfections so that he could truly live out Ecclesiastes 7, 21 and 22. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant 
cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. In conclusion, let me encourage us all to strive to follow the examples of David who trusted in God's ultimate justice. I will leave with this final thought. Every person in this world either is or will be in the family of Christ who forgives and sanctifies his own. They're either in that family or they will not be in that family. If they are not, then God's justice for them will be eternal, conscious torment. So when someone has said things about you that are hurtful, remember that they will be in one of those two categories. Either they will, or they, they are, or they will be forgiven because of the blood of Christ, or they will be judged by the perfect judge. Why then would we take it upon ourselves to spend our energy taking to heart what others say about us? If the person who has said hurtful things is in the family of Christ, then his forgiveness will cover their sins, including those against you. Who are you to hold against someone a sin that God has forgiven? And if they are not in Christ, then you must leave your defense to God Almighty, who will carry out the appropriate judgment against all who have hurt his children. So to summarize, we began with this main topic, this thought, how do we have peace when others speak evil of us? And in the first segment, we talked about ways we that we can avoid taking to heart all the things that people say. In the second segment, we realized that we have all said things about others that we should not have said. And in the final segment, we've looked at the example of David and how our trust in God can help us to rest secure no matter what others are saying about us. Next week, we'll talk about how we can trust God and rest in His plan, even when we have no idea what will happen next. Thank you for listening today. If you found this to be helpful or encouraging, would you please share it with someone who may enjoy joining us? Also, please like and follow or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And if you don't mind, share it on your social media as well to help get the word out. Thank you, and I will see you next time on Truth Trek. 